Buckle that belt. The neighbor is already threatening to call the cops. He's pissed. If you get anxious, man, you just pop these little guys. People out here looking like Paul Feinbaum trying to tell us what to do with our hair. In my overserved state, I went to the wrong house. No, it was the right house. Okay. Dive bar means the beer is cold, the drinks aren't too expensive, and the hamburgers are great. They are a unified front in doing their very best to keep me between the proverbial navigational beacons. Howdy, y'all. Welcome to the Marty Smith podcast here at Outsider. We had us a week. Uh, good morning. Wesley's here. Travis is here. He's got on the 39th different Ohio State t-shirt in his drawer. I feel like Travis wears that every week. I, I, I think it's a different one every week. I don't pay close enough attention to really notice, but I do think that it's kind of a, a, a different Ohio State a uh, video game t-shirt every week. Who makes them? It's like an NBA jam, but it's Ohio State. Speaking of like video giving you trouble, like man, I'm, any of you watching on YouTube, you can see that I'm uh, kind of real time working through the lighting here. But whatever, who cares? Um, we had us a week, gentlemen. Went to Nashville, Tennessee, had our live outsider times NASCAR times Whiskey Jam event there at Loser's Bar, and I had an absolute blast. I don't know about you guys. I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot. I saw a lot, and uh, it was wonderful to catch up with the NASCAR drivers that we had the blessing to spend time and fellowship with. Spent a lot of time with some fans. It was just a really fun time and uh, an unbelievably successful venture. I was blown away kind of to see the Outsider logo up there on top of that stage. Um, Wesley, what was your perspective? Uh, outsider crushed it. It was great. I was blown away as well. Um, pretty surreal to see our logo, you know, after just launching this thing off the ground a few minutes ago, it feels like, uh, to see that many people gathered around live music uh, and our brand was awesome. The performers crushed it too. We had a lot of fun up there. Um, after Wes and I got done with our interview section of the show, which went to about 6.30 Central Time, um, I'll explain why in just a moment. But uh, it was originally supposed to start at 5 p.m. sharp Central Time. And the thought was we would get in there and um, our friends had prepared an amazing format, an amazing itinerary for our live podcast there. And Jay Cutler and the great Carissa Thompson were supposed to do an hour before us. They were 4 to 5 p.m. Central Time, and I think they got started right on time. And I did not. And let me, Wes, let's kind of walk them through kind of how this unfolded. Okay, so I left my house. Uh, in in South Jersey. Um, on that note, let me shout out Ocean City Coffee Company. I'm here again live to tape, I guess. We're live to tape. Um, down on Asbury Avenue here in Ocean City. They've been amazing and let me kind of host the Marty Smith podcast here this summer while I'm here uh, as I am every summer in Ocean City. And I leave my house on Thursday morning. I drop uh, my daughter Mia and my niece Rylan off at this camp at which they work where they help 
little kids, you know, three, four, five, six-year-olds do crafts. I just realized I still have my sunglasses on. That's a whole other. I, 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 completely, I thought that was an intentional choice. Uh, yeah, no, I'm sitting here looking at myself like I'm like, what a dumbass. I still have my shades on. Well, I'm just gonna own it now. I guess I'll just go full chief on y'all. So I drop off Mia and Rylan at this camp, and then I'm like, man, I am in a good place. Everything's gonna be fine. As I had been preparing their breakfast though, about an hour previous. I don't know, 7 o'clock or so, I guess, 6.45 in the morning, my American Airlines app sent the salvo that my plane had already been delayed three hours. So I was like, okay, as someone who flies about, I don't even know how many miles a year, I, I know this, two years ago or three years ago before COVID, Every year at the end of the year, American Airlines sends you this year in review of your time spent with them on their aircraft. And I had, the math said I had flown around the world six times. That's how many, however many miles that is, is how many miles I had flown. They should measure and, yours in uh, distance to the moon. How so many times should, yeah, you could seriously. have made it to the moon and back. That just tells you, you know, it's funny when you're a, when you're a frequent flyer, and you accrue all of these miles and all of this quote-unquote status on these airlines and whatnot, there's this kind of weird bravado about that. Like, yeah, I'm Executive Platinum, or I'm this, or I'm Diamond on Delta, whatever that is, right? All it means is your ass is gone from home too much. That's all, that's all it is. It's like, hey, yep, you're gone from home way too much. Congratulations, you have had your ass in a seat for several hours. <laughs> Congratulations. That's why you go see the chiropractor every single week because your hips and shoulders are all out of whack. But so the American Airlines app flashes up and I just know having flown so much. All right, this is not good. So I immediately text Deirdre Lester, our, our new CEO, who is just killing it. I text Travis. I, Wes was on there. I just text this group of people who are involved in the logistics and the actual execution of the show that we have planned for 5 p.m. Central Time. Y'all, I'm already delayed. This is probably not good, but I'm going to go ahead and make my way to Philadelphia Airport anyway, just in case. I mean, it might be all right. Sometimes you get there and, and they're like, hey, we got a crew. Everything's cool. So I look at the app. The very first thing you do in that situation is you go, okay, is this an aircraft thing? Is this, a, what is this? And so the, the airplane that we were going to be flying on from Philadelphia to Nashville had been at the airport for 14 hours. Like it got there yesterday. So I'm like, all right, well, it's not that. Maybe it's maintenance, but the plane is there. I start making, I drop the girls off. I start making my way to the Philadelphia airport. Going back and forth with these guys. All right, I'm on my way. I get about, I don't know, 30 miles up the highway. I'm making my way on, listening, listening to country music, having a great time, thinking about what I want to ask these guys, how I'm going to bust Wes's ass about something. I don't know what yet, but I'm working through that in my mind. Boom. Canceled. So I pull off. I text these guys, hey, y'all. Uh, I am now canceled. Uh, we need to try to rebook me. Marty got canceled. I don't know what to do. And so uh, I'm, I know that the weather is bad. I know that there is tremendous 
issues with every airline about crew and because of the weather that is then exacerbated and compounded by the fact that the crews time out and so ultimately that's what happened to my plane crew time out they couldn't get them here they couldn't get them there I'm gonna truncate this now I went halfway to Newark New Jersey turned around and came back towards home I went about 30 miles down the highway towards Baltimore Maryland turn around and came home I went back towards Newark New Jersey again turn around and came home I went back towards Philadelphia turn around and came home somebody's got to make a graphic of this of your course and five different you flights went, were canceled the marty tracker it was crazy man ultimately i made my way I, I won't get into all the details on how i wound up getting in getting to nashville tennessee but well it's pretty badass NASCAR, nascar had a quite a hand in that and grateful for the great patrick morris at nascar who is a logistics czar mm-hmm and he made it happen, and I came. So, so hold on. I, I, I wait a minute. Let me back up. Travis picks me up in the airport in his Hyundai Excel. No, 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 no. Put some respect. It's an Elantra. Oh, get oh, it right. Yeah. Hyundai, Hyundai Elantra. And you would have thought when I got in this car, I came, I came sliding into Travis's Hyundai Excel, and. I threw my bag in the back, and I'm like, dude, just stand in the loud pedal. I don't care if you're on the damn shoulder. I don't care if you're up against the guardrail. I don't care if you try to flip this thing like Bo Duke on two wheels and try to make your way through. Oh, well, it was also 5 o'clock in the afternoon when this happened, so it's the middle of rush hour traffic in the fastest-growing city in these United States of America. So there's just logistics conundrum after logistics conundrum, all right? And so... Travis starts driving, and I'm trying to help him out. And it's the most, I mean, I have ridden with NASCAR champions. You're the worst who, spotter ever. Who want to scare you. I have ridden with people who, I mean, I just taught Cameron how to drive in the last year. Like, I have been in these situations. Travis drives with a reckless abandon that evil Knievel would blush at. So, I got a question for you. What was scarier for you, Kurt Busch in the pace car or me taking you to the, the show? Look, man, Kurt Busch is a NASCAR champion. Kurt Busch is a Daytona 500 champion. Kurt Busch is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer when his career is over and he becomes Hall of Fame eligible. You drive with a reckless abandon that would make evil Knievel blush. It's, Thank you. I mean, I, you're yelling. Like, he's yelling at me, y'all. He's like, you're the worst spotter I've ever seen in my life. And I'm like, no, I'm telling you that you're clear and that you can go in that lane. The problem is you're a second late every single time I say it. Your anticipation is terrible. And, I mean, he, y'all, he damn near put us in the guardrail five times. We've got, almost gotten ten wrecks. I, the goal was get you there. Did I get you there? I got Barely. you there in a world record time. I told Deirdre when I left the uh, Losers, I looked at her and said, if I get a speeding ticket, you guys are paying for it. Well... It she was wasn't going to pay for it, by the way. I went from airport to the bar in, I think, 23 minutes during rush hour. Did you have to go through the like the roundabout where the giant microphone is and all that stuff? Y'all survived that, too? 
that's I think that's where we had our breaking point was at that roundabout. Yeah. Travis would have made it fifteen in fifteen minutes if it wasn't for that roundabout because people in Nashville don't understand how to use those things. They don't. I well, think they get distracted. There's a lot to look at. There's a dumpster at that roundabout that has like Dolly Parton spray painted on it. You know, there's a lot there's to see. Also, there's also uh, people who need to get places and. So finally, we got where we were trying to go, and I hop out of the car and go running. I go blowing in there at 5.28 or whatever time it was. It was like Elvis had entered the building. I I, uh, relieved Jay and Carissa, who had done their very best to try to hold off the masses from leaving, and... Then Wesley and I took over, and it was awesome from there. But I'll tell you, man, I've had some travel experiences in my day. But that was an all-timer right there, my friends. Yeah. No, it turned out well, though. Uh, If y'all want to watch the full interview, the full show, um, it's up on Outsiders YouTube. Highly recommend that. Uh, It was a good time, good conversations. Made uh, really good friends with Noah Gragson. That was fun. Um, he's, he's He's a live wire, ain't he? Yes, he is. He's a spark plug. I love how he I love how he rolls, man. He uh, he was telling me at the thing that Tim Richmond is his hero, which is apropos. Um, he is uh, he is living with his hair on fire, just like Tim Richmond did. And if y'all are old school NASCAR fans, you know how Tim rolled, man. It was all about the party and a, a generational talent behind the wheel. And uh, Noah is living in fast forward. I can tell you that. That young man is a live wire. But we had an absolute ball. The, the, the artists, after we got done, were stellar. The party was great. The folks at Whiskey Jam and Losers hosted an amazing event and uh, met a lot of great fans, met a lot of, of really cool people, had a good time. Folks from all over the country were there, which is very, I mean, I guess it's Nashville. A lot of people are coming in there. Man, that city is exploding it's already exploded and it's continuing to i mean if you know anything about real estate and you see you see what's happening there uh while i was in town i stayed at the um, soho house there it's a it's a former hosiery mill that has been refurbished as a five-star hotel um the the room was one of the great it might be the greatest hotel room i've ever been in i had hardwood floors on my ceiling which was crazy and the folks there that uh that did that hotel did a phenomenal job if y'all are looking for a really cool chic unique place to stay in nashville make sure you check out soho house it's uh it's first class and world class in every way i uh i was a big fan of the bathtub yeah what's the deal with that why would you end up in the bathtub, Travis? The floor is yours, Rocco. So we get there, and next to the bed is the bathtub. There's a bathtub, like, in the just in the room. Like, there's a shower and everything, a bathroom you walk in, but there's a bathtub right there. And, I mean, why wouldn't I get in there and take well, a when, photo? When did this happen, though? Uh, uh, Thursday night? Thursday Friday night? night? Yeah. No, it wasn't Friday night, because Friday night I had a different engagement. Yeah, it was Thursday night. So I got in there and took a photo. So after after we parted ways downtown, you went and got in the bathtub, and I, yeah. I just walked around Nashville. Well, I dropped yeah, them Travis, off, and then it was... Travis um, transported me back to my hotel in his Honda Excel. Elantra. And I we, thought it was uh, in Accord. 
I told him, I'm like, man, you got to just come in here because I had not even been in my hotel room yet. You know, I went straight to the event and then we had a great party after the event. And so I'm like, come on, man, let's check this joint out. So we walk in there and it was, again, I mean, it was the most amazing hotel room I think I've ever been in. And I look over, like I go in there and I'm like, you know, like putting my toiletries out, I'm putting my shaving cream out, my razor and this and that and the other. And the next thing you know, I he's like, hey, look. And I look over and this jackass is just sitting in this bathtub that's right beside the Four bed. foot tub. I just was like, good Lord. Y'all pray for this man. Um, the so, responses to my social media posts were fantastic. So, um... Marty's arrival kind of predicted the weekend. There was a, a weekend of delays on the NASCAR track, and uh, Travis is going to hate to hear this, but another Georgia guy is relevant nationally again because Chase won that guitar, man. So I, I'm Team Chase, though. I'm good with that. Okay. I'm thrilled for him, man. He, um, They did a good job. They made some adjustments before that last pit stop, and, or right before the rain. It was the last stop before the before the deluge. And y'all, it was raining sideways. I mean, it was crazy. It was. That, I mean, that's Nashville rain. Beside the precipitation, there was a steady stream of lightning, which continued to delay it. Every time there's a lightning strike within, I think it's seven or eight miles of the racetrack, it's another thirty-minute delay. And so, ultimately, Steve O'Donnell, everybody with NASCAR, waited it out, and they got that race in and it was really interesting because the way that the thing unfolded there were really good cars throughout i mean when when kyle bush got the lead and i mean he had like a four and a half four second lead or something i just looked at my friends and i was like that dude's gone this thing is over buddy i mean there's no looking back and Chase methodically made his way through. And I remember looking at a friend of mine that I was watching a race with, and I was like, that nine car is coming. The nine car is coming. And you could just see it in every single corner. The car, he had great balance, which matters so much to these guys with the way that the car handles and whatnot. And ultimately, uh, he was able to mow them down and get that victory. Um, it would have been an interesting scenario if um, – Kurt could have caught, could have caught Chase, but Chase was gone, boys. What do you what do you make of Kurt saying that he should have thrown a fender and he kind of just didn't do what he was supposed to do? Um, I understand it because Kurt already has a victory this season, and so I mean in this NASCAR, you know, Denny Hamlin said it earlier uh, earlier in the weekend at Nashville. This is going to be the most unpredictable playoff that we may have ever seen and probably have ever seen. And the reason is there's so many different winners this year. There's so much parity. There's a hell of a lot of aggression. And it's, I mean, we talked to Ross Chastain about, you know, kind of this education he's going through at the cup level this year with racing like his hair's on fire and knocking people out of the way. And we saw what happened earlier, uh, you know, and we talked to him about it. I'm like, man, I love the aggressive nature. And I thought his comment was so important and so smart. Yeah, it's one thing to do it coming to the checkered flag. It's a whole other thing to do it 50 laps into a 300-lap race. And so he's learning that. 
but it's a very aggressive field right now. There's a, I mean, there's probably, I don't know. I mean, there's probably 10 different guys who could win this championship, depending on how it unfolds, maybe more than that. Yeah, it's wide open. The NASCAR race at Nashville, despite all of the obstacles, I mean, my gosh, did they have a lot of obstacles. It was a who's who, man. It was Country Music USA out there. A lot of celebs showed out. Uh, the sport has a ton of momentum. If you guys have not made your way to a NASCAR race recently, look, NASCAR is back. There was a down period where they were trying to figure it out. There were some decisions made that weren't the best for the sport ultimately in the long term. Right now, Steve Phelps, the president of the sport, Steve O'Donnell, EVP, everybody that has a say in the boardrooms understands that there has to be a connection back to history. There has to be a connection back to tradition. The fact that we weren't in Nashville, I say we, the sport, the fact that NASCAR wasn't in Nashville for all those years is ridiculous. And they, they recognize that. Now, if you talk to Dale Jr., he'd much rather be at the Fairground Speedway than the Super Speedway, but what they're doing at the Super Speedway is spectacular. The way that they've embraced the city, the way that the city has embraced the sport. Eric Moses, the president out there, is doing a great job. I had the opportunity on Sunday during the race to spend a little bit of time with him, learning from him and hearing his vision. He's doing a great job over there. So if you haven't been to a race, it's an amazing family experience. Take your kids. Take your kids, go as a family, and you're going to love it. NASCAR's at Watkins Glen on August 21st. Tickets for the full weekend start at $140, and family four-packs are $199. So you can take your entire family to the Watkins Glen International Raceway for $199, bucks, 200 bucks. If you have little ones, kids 12 and under can get in starting at 10 bucks. NASCAR is smart. They want to grow the sport. They want to introduce the sport to younger fans. Kids 12 and under can get tickets for the weekend starting at $10. If you can't make it, the race is at 3 o'clock Eastern on the USA Network. So make sure you check it out. I love Watkins Glen. Some of my greatest times of my life have been up there, man. It's a beautiful region. It is an awesome race always. These days, road courses are so physical and it's cool to see who wins them. Who knows, Chase may go back to back. He's awesome at road course racing. So check out a NASCAR race, guys. And we're grateful for um, our relationships in that sport. We're grateful that so many drivers and personalities took time to spend time with us last week in Nashville. So thank you, guys. Speaking of going fast, you went and saw Top Gun last night, didn't you? I did watch Top Gun Maverick. Took my family last night. Uh, Laney, Cameron. Well, you're not you're not normally a movie guy, are you, Marty? Don't no, you? No, it's just not. I normally don't. There, there, there's very few movies that, in, or trailers or hype that intrigue me enough to go and watch it. I love going to movies. I love watching movies. But it's just not. I don't know what it is. I just don't go to very many of them. But of course, uh, you know, I was. I was eight, seven, nine years old or something when the first one came out, 1986, I think. I'm glad you and went to see it because I've been waiting to uh, to have a conversation with anybody who will listen about it. Go ahead. No, you. I want to hear your reaction because I've talked I hear yours a lot of I'll people's ears off. Um, 
but I think just the uh, the amount of effort that went into it from Tom behind the scenes uh, just fascinates me because the first Top Gun they had a lot of scenes filmed in the cockpit of, of real planes but they couldn't use it because the actors were getting so sick because of the G's and their bodies couldn't handle it that they had to leave a lot of it on the cutting room floor so now Tom says alright if we're going to make this thing we're going to go through real training so we can actually use this footage and I think it paid off. But the, the coolest thing to me, I don't know if they did this in your theater or not, but they played this Tom Cruise like yeah, I saw it. table setter. And yep. I think it set the, set the tone. It, it set the stage for how uh, important it was to him, for how important it was for moviegoers who haven't been able to be in the theater during COVID. And I just think from top to bottom, it's it's the way you make a movie. It was awesome. I thought I thought it was cool how his, like his message was, we did this for you. We gave everything that we had so that you have this amazing experience. And I mean, it was phenomenal. Um, there was so much hype going in. Um, it's so much hype, in fact, that it's like even if the movie's really good, there's no way that it's gonna be able to match everything that I've heard from my buddies who are movie nuts. It exceeded every single bit of expectation or anticipation that I had. It was so well done. The storyline was phenomenal. I will tell you, I was already emotional. I cried a couple times. I, I, I had genuine human emotion multiple times during the viewing of that, of that film. And it started immediately. I mean, as soon as I heard the music, I was like, I don't know why. I don't know why. And I was talking to Lainey about it. She was obviously sitting right beside me in the theater. And I, I don't even want to share too much about what moments made me emotional because some of y'all probably haven't seen it. I will just tell you, I will implore you that you should. It's worth every second. It's worth every dime. It's worth take it you, you should take your kids um, it's really really good man and I just can't as I was leaving the theater I was kind of contemplating it and you know I look at everything kind of from a spiritual plane no matter what the life experience is I always do that and I was just really moved spiritually by the emotion in the movie the storyline was so well done and on so many different levels, it was so well done. Even, even, I mean, the cinematography was world class, as Wes was stating there. But as a writer and a storyteller, they did a phenomenal job with both of those two. And yeah, I'm getting chills again thinking about certain scenes and, and just elements of the story. I just can't believe. I said to Lainey on our drive home, she's like, "You all right?" I said, you know, I can't believe that I stood beside Miles Teller behind Vickery. After the Indianapolis 500, I was waiting to interview Marcus Erickson for SportsCenter. And he had, like, we, we got down there immediately after he took the checkered flag. And then it's a waiting game because he has to take photographs with his family and his sponsors, all of them. He has to do all the pageantry and the... You know, the whole thing, which he should. He should be completely immersed in that moment in every way, in every aspect, in minute detail. It's a life-changing victory and moment for any race driver who has that blessing. 
but it was probably a hundred minutes or so that I just, you know, my crew and I, Patrick and I, were just standing there waiting. And I'm, I'm it actually, for, for inside baseball nerds who are reporters out there who might be listening, it was very beneficial because Patrick and I were going back and forth, back and forth, what question, what question's right, which one will resonate. He's now heard so many questions, let's make sure this is right. And Patrick and I always do that when we're getting ready to do television interviews. I will tell him my thoughts. He will share his thoughts. What about this way? What about that way? Ultimately, it's on me. I'm the guy on camera, right? But it was that was that was beneficial to us. Well, anyway, there was the United States Air Force Thunderbirds with whom I've flown. I can share that story another time. But they look amazing in their jumpsuits. They had done the greatest flyover I've ever seen earlier in the day, and they were waiting around also to take a photograph with Marcus. And they're talking to this dude. And I can tell this guy's something, you know. But, I mean, he is uh, talking to this person and that person. Seems so normal, cutting up, laughing, having a good time, cold beer too. I stood right beside Miles Teller for almost two hours and never even said, like, never even said anything. Like, whatever. Disappointed in myself. Did he have his stash then or had he shaved it? You know, I don't remember it, Wes, honestly. I know he, st- he definitely kept the shades. Of he course. He definitely kept the Top Gun shades. I'd keep the fighter he was helmet. rocking those things. And it, what, I, what I observed was. He didn't have it. He did not have it, okay. What I observed was someone who was a regular dude who was hanging out, happy to meet other people and, and fellowship and have a good time. That's what I observed. But. I mean, I, I dropped the ball. It's a, it's a terrible failure on my part. And, Miles, I know you're a huge fan of the podcast. Yeah, he's so coming on. He'll join us. When you hear this, man, we'd love to have you on for 10 or 20 minutes to talk about the experience because he absolutely killed it. Tom Cruise, everybody, man. Like, I had somebody on social media. I wrote something on social media after I saw the movie that it exceeded my expectations. And one of the number one questions that I've gotten is, Kelly McGillis in 86 or Jennifer Connelly in 2022? That is a debate. And that is a that debate. That is a, quite a debate, so we will leave that on the table for all of you fine listeners. Let us know your thoughts. Um, both of them did a phenomenal job. Wes, you mentioned that they couldn't show footage of um, them in the cockpits because they were thrown up. Yeah, it's uh, kind of like we, Marty riding with you in the car, I imagine. Yeah, we, we had footage of that, but I can't show it because Marty just couldn't withstand the G-forces in that Elantra, and so we, we had to we couldn't air it. Yeah, much like the F-18 Hornet that they uh, – see, I'm about to give away the I'm about to give away the story. It's hard to talk about movies, I think, isn't I think it? people know that they're F-18s. Um, it's hard to talk about the movie, though. Like, yeah. I was about to say what the F-18s were doing. Man, I think it was the music. It's like that opening, the Top Gun know, theme before they get to the guitar solo, and they just play that, like, that bell, and it just, just like, chimes in. Like, it just cuts straight to your gut. I told you, man, it made me, it literally made tears, genuine tears well in my eyes. And it was a wonderful thing to feel. And I can't, I don't know why. I don't know what it is. People, it's like sad country songs. Some people just can't understand why you listen to sad country songs. I love sad country songs. I always will love sad country songs because I want to feel something. I want to be moved. I want to, 
I'll, maybe it'll transport me somewhere that I haven't been in a very long time. And that's one of the things that took west of your point. Boom. When I heard that bell, it transported me somewhere. And it set, it put, it put the ball on the tee for me. And I, I like, okay, you know, not on, now the ball's on the tee and Barry Bonds 2002 is about to take a cut. Go time. And so, Amazing experience, amazing movie. Please go see it. I can't wait to talk to McGee about it too. He'll geek out as well. Uh, Glenn uh, Glenn but, Powell, the guy that plays Hangman, retweeted my McConaughey video. So oh, did he? He well, did. Get him on. He's a big he's a big uh, hook'em guy. Tweet, you need to tweet. Your job is to tweet at him and get him on. Then I'm putting you on. You're on this. Get it. Okay. I'll see what he says. Well, a lot of people grew um, their mustaches after seeing Top Gun, but I, I shaved mine off. Well, didn't you shave yours off because part of it was, like, burnt off? No. I shaved it off several weeks ago. Your I nose got, is looking better. I got burnt last week. Your Mama nose is looking better. It's not so red. Thank you. Yeah. It's, uh, it's healed up nicely. Put a lot of Aquaphor on it. But um, I, I, I just – I grew it – I didn't know there was going to be a mustache in the movie. And I saw everyone growing theirs. I was like, okay, maybe – you know, maybe I shouldn't look like I'm a, I'm a front runner here. But the moment that was like, okay, it's time, there was like a 13-year-old kid that came up to me in the gym. He's like, nice stash, dude. I wish I could grow one. I'm like, all right. I'm, I don't need to be resonating with that crowd. So well, time, time to uh, go. You did a great job. You, I mean, when you showed up uh, several weeks back with that thing on the lip fur, I, I was a little bit terrified myself. All right. <laughs> Speaking of terrifying people, our guest this week has a habit of doing that to opposing offenses. It is New Orleans Saints linebacker Pete Werner. Um, we started this podcast talking about Travis's infatuation with the Ohio State Buckeyes and the 39th T-shirt in his drawer that says OSU Jam. I've never seen him wear a Pete Werner edition. Maybe after this uh, uh, this uh, moment on the Marty Smith podcast, somebody will decide to make one for him. But this is a great conversation. Y'all are going to love it. We enjoyed it thoroughly. Here is Pete Werner, New Orleans Saints linebacker and former Buckeye, Travis. All right, Pete, let's start with uh, you guys just got done mini camp. Now you get a nice little vacation. Uh, let's just start with the uh, doldrums of mini camp. I mean, I'm sure that's a hell of a great time. What uh, what are your goals when you guys are going through that type of type of camp? Yeah, so it was, this is year two, um, second time going through a – well, first time going through a true offseason. Didn't have anything like this. Uh, last year with COVID, but, you know, I was just fortunate to kind of get a few plays in, um, be able to get these kinks out before I would have the chance in training camp because I obviously didn't have this last year, but um, the whole mindset is kind of develop team chemistry and um, um, just get get these reps so um, we're hitting the ball running during training camp. So um, all the guys seem to have great attitudes and um, when – when we go out there, we're having a good time, but develop that team chemistry and kind of go from there. Going back to your rookie year, you show up and there's about 800 Ohio State Buckeyes on the Saints roster. You just picked up another one in this past draft. What kind of camaraderie do you guys have and, and how helpful was that for you as a rookie to step into uh, you know, some relationships of guys that had a, a common bond with you? 
Yeah, I don't know what they they have with Ohio State, but it's got to be some crazy relationship because I feel like we're getting one every year. But um, it doesn't hurt me. I love it. Um, they are obviously know what they're doing. Those guys have a they have a whatever whatever they do to pick people. I I couldn't do it, but um, as long as they keep getting these Ohio State guys in, it's it's cool. But going into an organization and having guys that I know is it, pretty cool. And um, if they keep doing that in the future, that'll, that'll be nice as well, too. Speaking of Ohio State, obviously you had a tremendous career there. I want to get into that career in just a bit. But first, what, what provided the greatest challenge for you making the jump from the Big Ten to, uh, to the NFL? Yeah, so I think when a lot of people think of the biggest challenge when coming from college to the NFL is, oh, the speed of the game. It's going to be so much faster or whatever. Um, that necessarily wasn't the same for me. Um, it kind of slows down once you get the hang of the defense and you're out there um, and you kind of feel it around a little bit. But um, the quarterbacks are so smart. And if you are in a coverage and they figure out what you're doing, they're going to they're gonna throw the hardest possible um, route tree in the book um, for that certain coverage. So you got to do such a good job of disguising, disguising your looks. Um, the knowledge of the game, I would say, is just ramped up 100%. And that's what makes makes it so hard. It's because these quarterbacks, uh, they'll put you in very tough situations as a defense because there's only so much you can do as a defense. So um, once they kind of get you figured out, the hardest part is, is trying to match what they have, what the offense is showing you and, and um, and playing from there, so it's a it's a big IQ game, which I think is the hardest part. Which which guy's intellect uh, most impressed you? Was there one or, or two quarterbacks that stood out that you faced as a rookie? That I faced, I would say, obviously, I, I, you have to put Tom Brady in there. Um, I'm hearing that's a good one, Pete. I mean, <laughs> I'm hearing out di- I'm hearing out different checks in the game. I don't know what's going on, but. Uh, if he's if he's making plus gains out of it, you, you know he's doing something right. But um, he was good. And then when we played Matt Ryan um, against Atlanta, the first time we played him, he had a really good game. He was he was doing very well. So I would say that's an that's another one. Which individual player gave you your welcome to the NFL moment? Whether it was a, a block or a, a play that a skill player made or a quarterback. It, it's got to be it's got to be Alvin. Alvin. I mean. The linebackers are paired up with the running backs so often, and they run these little choice routes where he's kind of got a freeway go, and they got a big open field, and it's just me and him. And he's beaten me a few times, and there's some situations where it's like, I, I mean, I don't even know what I could have done better here. Like he's just kind of that athletic. So that was tough. That was kind of my welcome. Um, get beat on a few of these, and then uh, let's see how good you actually are. So he, he he's uh, he's very good at that. Is that an Indianapolis Motor Speedway logo over your left shoulder? <laughs> yes, yes it is. I was there a few weeks ago for Memorial Weekend. I was weekend. too, bro. That's cool. Who, what, who, were you there as somebody's guest or Loved just it. as a fan? Uh, so I've been, I've gone the past like seven or eight years. We have tickets right on the first turn. Yeah. Who's your guy? So it's a, I like um, – so Connor Daly I'm a big fan of. Oh, Lord, I did, what a lunatic that cat is. Holy crap. <laughs> So he, he's a he's a good friend of mine. I like Ed Carpenter too. 
and um, uh, Graham Rahal just through the Columbus connection. He sure. was a good buddy too. Yeah, I worked out and trained in the off season with uh, Connor and Ed. They were they were cool guys. Pete, we've seen a lot of uh, linebackers go from you know college ball, some of them from the NFL to joining a pit crew. Do you feel like you have what it takes to uh, jump into one of those for like a, a cameo, celebrity appearance, one race? Absolutely not. No. If they told me, I'd be. I would. I wouldn't be opposed to it, but um, <laughs> I don't know if I could do that. No. Let's. Uh. So I'm a humongous shoe head, big time sneaker guy, and I couldn't help but notice when I was stalking your Instagram that you have a hell of a Jays collection. I saw like reco- recovery Jays. I saw golf Jays. I saw hanging out Jays. How many pairs you got? And which ones you go to? <laughs> um, those are just a. Those are those are a lot of what I have. I, I don't want to get you fooled with. Oh, he's got these. He's got the golf jays. He must have a lot. No, I, there's not a big selection. <laughs> um, you won't be you won't be impressed. Uh, so, I got those. I got um, maybe a few others, but I'm not a big sneakerhead. Um, I like some of the cool shoes I have. I, I like, but I couldn't tell you the names of them. I just thought they would look cool online. So I don't know, like the Air Jordan Retro. What I don't know the any of the names for that. I just thought they looked cool online, so I got them. Well, you did a good job. Uh, your Instagram belies your uh, lack of appreciation for the various names that they've given the shoes. Define your golf addiction. I would say. The tough thing about golf here, here's what happens. It's my definition is bogey every single hole, get a par on the 18th. That, <laughs> that motivates that me it. to that go and want to play again. <laughs> you can so. shoot 200, man. But if you just, if that last swing <laughs> is pure, you're coming back. <laughs> yeah. There's just something about it that just makes me want to, wants to go and go and come back. Um, I could play terribly, but um, just being out there, it's kind of isolated. That's that's kind of the way I like to do it. Uh, Pete, they just unleashed these new uh, Saints helmets on us, and we're big uniform guys around here. Um, we talk about it often. And, you know, I went to Georgia. We don't really mess with tradition too much. I feel like the Saints are a very traditional NFL team, very traditional NFL uniform. I know you're biased because you play for them. You're going to wear them. But what did you think when you saw those things? Yeah, I was shocked because I I heard, I think it was maybe back in the 90s, 80s, they tried to do this and they they tried to do it and it got torn down completely. So I'm shocked that the organization like went through with it. I thought it was going to get turned down, but the fact that it's up now is is, is pretty cool. I like the design. Uh, Mark Ingram had a funny video uh, about the details of the helmet. It was it was pretty cool. So um, we can have all this all this swag all we want, but you know, at the end of the day, we're just we're just wearing a uniform. We got to tackle the dude that's that's not in ours. So that's a good football answer. What was it like playing high school football in Indiana? I mean, I feel like there are a lot of states that get a lot of the attention, Georgia, Texas, Florida, but Indiana put some guys out there too. 
what what was your experience like what, what what's it like to play ball where you did growing up and uh make it to the big 10 yeah it was nice you know coming from indiana all you think is all, all we got is larry bird and a bunch of basketball dudes that can shoot threes um which people still look at me now they're like they look at me as a basketball player that just can shoot threes sit in the corner which obviously is not the case. Um, but Indiana is ramping up. They're getting a little bit better, more popular in high school football. So it was an honor kind of coming out there and being one of those guys out of the state uh, to play in like at Ohio State at one of the most prestigious uh, colleges and, and play in the NFL. So that was, that was pretty cool. Um, and then now being in the NFL, that doesn't really happen out of Indiana. So it's uh, it just kind of aids on to what the – What's in the younger guys' heads, saying they can make it, so it just it um, it helps kind of what we have going now. Am I wrong, Pete? You were you were at Ohio State during the Urban Meyer to Ryan Day transition, right? Yes, yes, okay. I was. I was. So two years so, with Urban, two years with Ryan. So what? I, I know that you're you're a defensive guy, so they're not in your position room or anything like that. But like from a culture or day-to-day operational perspective what what was the the biggest difference between the urban meyer ohio state buckeyes and the ryan day version yeah so both great coaches uh, don't have anything against them i respect both of them um, they helped me both tremendously in my career but for, for different reasons, but very, very good coaches for what they did. Um, Urban Meyer was, and obviously from the outside perspective, you can get this as well, but very intense, more of a special teams guy, um, great leader, motivator type of coach. And he, he, I mean, he would get on you. He would get in your face. He would, um, he would really teach you how to play hard. And um, I credit him for when I first got to Ohio State to, kind of develop, de- developing and instilling that toughness piece in my mind and uh, getting that mental toughness ready and early. Um, because then Ryan, Ryan Day comes along, and he's more of the player's coach, very, very smart IQ. And not saying Urban didn't, obviously, but um, was an offensive side of the guy. He was stud the ball. He, um, he was calling a lot of the plays. Um, everything was, was in his favor, but – Everybody knew him. Like you could talk to him, you could sit down with lunch to him. He's a great guy, just more of a player's coach and just a different style, which I think college football is starting to see a little bit, rather than the kind of the old school look. Um, so both great techniques, great styles. Uh, I learned and gained from both of their different styles, so I was thankful to have. Y'all, I want to take just a minute to share with you about Moultrie. They have signed on to be a partner of the Marty Smith podcast, and we are beyond thrilled. I grew up loving the outdoors. Uh, if there's if there's two things I wish I had more time to do, it is learn how to play golf. I'm still learning that, but also spend more time in the outdoors, bow hunting. I'd love to get out there more. Certainly uh, not easy during football season when we're working so much, but... I love to be outside, whether it's hunting, whether it's fishing, whether it's just sitting out and enjoying the outdoors. And that's one reason I'm so thrilled Moultrie came on to be a partner. For more than 35 years, you guys, Moultrie has pioneered the game management category. Today, 
Moultrie is one of the best-selling brands of game cameras and feeders in the world, and it continues to innovate with new technology that hunters and land managers rely on. Defined by the foundations of reliability and ease of use, Moultrie products are always field-tested and designed for hunters by hunters. I love that. Hunters design these cameras, and y'all, they're awesome. I've now set up some in my backyard in Charlotte so that I can see what's going on back there. One thing about living on the lake, man, uh, there's all kind of stuff. There are crazy birds and hawks and all kind of snakes and critters everywhere, so I just love to see what's going on back there. And Moultrie's field cameras are just awesome. I mean, they are so cool. They combine forward-thinking innovation with time-tested practicality Moultrie consistently demonstrates what it means to be the most trusted name in game management. And real quick, y'all, about those cameras. Uh, they're the Micro 42, the Micro 42i, and the Micro 32i. They fit in the palm of your hand. I mean, they're really small. They're, they're really small and compact, but they cover every single trail camera need that you have. They're compact, convenient, and easy to conceal. Go get yours right now at MoultrieFeeders.com, that's M-O-U-L-T-R-I-E, Feeders.com, MoultrieFeeders.com. So grateful that Moultrie is on board with us. Go check it out. Pete, what's the uh, game, the moment from Ohio State that you have framed on your wall? Just the, the game you'll never forget, that the quintessential experience you had as a Buckeye. You know, playing Clemson two times in a row, if you know, if I would have lost to them in New Orleans, I would have been extremely pissed off. But the fact that we beat them was uh, the second time was amazing here in New Orleans, and even pretty cool now that you know I live three blocks from the stadium now, so um, I get to see that and know that my first time playing in the Superdome was against Clemson. So that was kind of my staple uh, as as a Buckeye was when we beat them. Uh, second to last game my senior year was was pretty was pretty cool. All right, brother, we'll get you out of here on this. First of all, thank you so much for all the time. Uh, yeah, I'm course. really intrigued by Jameis. I uh, have been for a long time. I covered him all the way back when he was at FSU and, and was a Heisman Trophy winner. He's such an interesting cat. Uh, w what did you see from him? <laughs> yeah, I love the – okay, go. To define that laugh that you just belly laughed. <laughs> oh my gosh it, so all of my friends like buddies like all the players are like hey man what's Jameis like is he just like is he just like crazy like how is he playing for you I'm like whatever you think of Jameis it's the exact opposite this dude is locked in all the time great player great practice player great teammate but he's just got kind of this this thing about him where he operates that kind of just makes a little bit like some people laugh it, it's yeah. it's just funny but he is dead serious all the time just extremely intense um but nobody would have any idea they see these funny interviews online they're like what is it what is going on with james i mean but he it, ate a w out of his hand pete that's pretty damn funny <laughs> and he is serious he is serious it is it, 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 it's hard to explain but um, I mean, he, he's just a, he's a great guy. You love to have him as a quarterback because, I mean, he's really good. He's a great, he's a great team player as well. But 
the way he operates is is uh it's kind of funny the way he the way he moves on but i it's but i love it it's hysterical. So expound <laughs> upon that for me real quick. Why why can the New Orleans Saints win with him behind center? He's, he's very talented. He's always trying to learn. And um, when you get a guy that's got a work ethic like him, he's always in the building first, always the last one to leave, just trying to learn constantly. And I think he got that from Drew uh, when Drew was here his last year, um, kind of what I'm hearing. And he, he wants to take that next big step. He knows he has potential. So he's got some threats this year. So I think he's pretty excited about that. Give him a little little, uh, little more targets to throw to. But very talented. His arm strength is crazy. Um, so I think um, as long as he's in the right position and he's working as hard as he is, I think he's, he's the guy that can make leaps that people don't necessarily think he can do. I love it. Well, I can tell you this, man, talking about some of those internet videos, when I see him going back and forth, you know, through those dummies and that guy's trying to knock the ball out of his hands, I can't help but laugh my ass off. It's hilarious. <laughs> he's holding a sponge connected to like a bungee cord and yeah. he's got an eye patch on, you know, there's just all kinds of things in the Jameis workout routine. Uh, hey, but he's serious about it. You're a gem, brother. We appreciate you so much. Have an awesome day and have a phenomenal summer and a great season coming up, man. Appreciate you. Yeah, yeah. thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. All right, guys, if you'll indulge me just a moment, I want to share with you about a couple of companies that I have the great blessing of representing every single day, Academy Sports and Outdoors and Pit Boss Grills. Let's start with Academy. Academy Sports and Outdoors has every single item you could ever want to succeed in any sport you desire to play. Baseball gloves galore. They have batting gloves, a vast array of bats from which to choose. Protective cups, very important. They have basketballs, they have footballs, they have football helmets. The footwear selection is outrageous. Sneakers, cleats, work boots, hunting boots, hanging out boots, Crocs, flip-flops. And if you want apparel, they have every major national brand from Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, all of those at the absolute best price. And then there's Magellan Outdoors and Freely. Let's talk Magellan Outdoors first. That is Academy's in-store outdoors apparel arm. And I love it. If you've seen any of the Traditions episodes that we've done, that's what I'm wearing. It is quality stuff at the best price. Same goes for Freely. That's Academy's women's workout attire line. Laney loves it. And not just in the gym, but also running around, going to the grocery store, running errands, whatever that is. That stuff's flying off the shelves. It is extremely popular. Again, it's called Freely. It is Academy's ladies' workout line. And that stuff is so popular. Uh, I'm telling you, they love it in my house. If you love to hunt and fish, Academy's your place. They have everything you need to be your best, whether you're in a deer stand or whether you're on a riverbank trying to rip some lips. Academy Sports and Outdoors has everything you could ever want. I mean, I walk in there and I'm, I'm just blown away by the selection. Every time I walk out of there, I got a new pocket knife. It's a problem. Or a new pair of shades. They got all kinds of different sunglasses too. Costa Del Mar, Ray-Ban, you name it. Uh, all right, let's switch gears over here to Pit Boss Grills quickly. Another company that I'm so honored to represent I love my grill, and I appreciate so much that the folks at Pit Boss love me. Look, 
Every time I post about my grill on social media, y'all go crazy. It, it blows my mind. If I post that I'm grilling or considering what I might grill that night, the response and the interaction is unparalleled. So thank you guys for engaging in that. You can go to Lowe's. You can go to Walmart. You can go to Academy Sports and Outdoors and get a Pit Boss Grill right now. They are the best pellet smokers on the planet Earth. I love mine. All five of them. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen. Go to Academy. Go get you a Pit Boss Grill. So grateful and honored to represent both of those companies every single day. Now, back to the Marty Smith podcast here at Outsider. Wes, what'd you learn? Um, I learned that Taysom Hill is uh, as versatile on the golf course as he is on the football field. He can do it I all. Learned that, uh, I learned that uh, I, I, re- I always liked Pete as a player because he's no nonsense, no BS, knock your teeth out of your head, all business type of guy. But now that I know that he parties at the Indianapolis 500 every year and with whom he parties, the fact that he's Connor Daly's boy tells me a lot about Pete Werner. I know who I'm partying with next year on Memorial Day weekend in Indianapolis, Indiana. Pete, strap up tight, big dog, because I am coming for you. All you, know, right. you, you know what I learned was that uh, I found the Jameis Winston comments really interesting. No question, but, man. It's like Jameis, Jameis you know, people – Like, Jameis says things on, you know, in interviews, and people love to pick on him about those things. But I am, I am, I appreciate what Pete said. Like, here's the fact. The the team, according to what Pete said right there, believes there is no debate that they can win with Jameis. And I can't wait to see how that unfolds this year. Again, I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, Carolina Panthers. Uh, That is a stacked league. It is a very tough league. Wes Blankenship's Atlanta Falcons are in the south. My Carolina are they, though? Panthers are, are in the are south. Are they really in there? Are, do they really compete? I don't even, I don't even think they There's some other do. bunch down there in Tampa, Florida, who are in the south. And uh, Pete Werner's New Orleans Saints are in the south. Uh, Look, man, I, really, I respect Pete, and I respect what he said about Jameis. But before we did this interview, or before uh, Jameis's – workout came out with him do you, like using this rubber bench press have you seen this yeah i just saw it i mean i do respect what pete said but i can't help but watch workout videos like that and laugh my ass off man it's hard well, to take that seriously just objectively if you don't if you don't laugh your ass off you need to check your sense of humor somewhere because they're funny. I mean, when Jameis is running through those uh, running through those blocking dummies, eating yeah, when he's licking his fingers. I mean, the whole thing. Um, but I think it would be, I think it would be hilarious. And regardless, uh, I hope that I hope that he has a successful year, um, and hopefully uh, he has a successful year, and he can provide us more workout videos to share across the interweb. Uh, boys, that was a good show. I appreciate y'all. And thanks so much to Pete. Travis, great job getting him on. I know that it uh, was a painstaking process for you to find another Buckeye. Where's the balance of power now on this podcast? Uh, I think we're I think we're, we're still – I think the scales are still tipped a little bit towards Athens, Georgia. I mean, look, yeah. um, I, I'm just going to unload right now. Uh, we have Freddie Freeman and the Braves making national news. Uh, Chase Elliott 
No, no, no. We're just talking about on the podcast. I don't care about. We're talking we're, about like the the stock. All right, we're talking about the stock of Georgia versus Ohio State. Georgia things versus Ohio things. Is that not what we're talking about? Well, Miles Teller, first first major movie he filmed, Athens, Georgia. So, it it just keeps coming back to the classic city, Travis. Well, here's what I know: we got to find somebody. If we get Michael Vick on here, that'd Man. be a good get. Like in a hurry. We gotta I'll, get I'll, Michael Vick on I'll here. go get him for you. Any other VT boys you want me to get? Yeah, I'll, I'll send you a list. There's about 30. We gotta get Bimbo Coles on here. <laughs> gotta get. <laughs> All right, boys. Uh, thank you. Great time. Nashville was fun. I'll, oh, I almost put, broke my mic. I'll be back over there real soon. And uh, I'll have the launcher waiting. Yep, the uh, Hyundai XL will be waiting on me with spirited petroleum. Uh, Thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. Thanks so much to Pete for for hanging out. Really appreciate our law enforcement officials all over the country working hard to keep our community safe. Thanks to Fire and Rescue, our first responders are heroes, and thank you to the United States military. So grateful for our freedom. Y'all have an awesome week. We appreciate you. This is the Marty Smith Podcast on Outsider for Wesley, for Travis, for everybody else. Y'all be well. God bless you.